Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Welcome to After the Act, a film podcast where we talk about movies and shows that we've watched. We are your hosts. I am Randy, here with Chuckles. And we will be discussing It Chapter 2 today, um, October. It's the month of uh, spookiness. This is where uh, spooky humans get to thrive. So we got to talk about some spooky shit this month, man. It's the season of the clown, apparently. It really is. I know you were it's saying a clownful that season. Just a few moments There's ago. There's a lot of representation yeah. for clowns. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this ranks for our 2019 clown movies. <laughs> so. Or reeks. Spoiler ooh, alert. Okay. Or All right. reeks. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Let's start with our overview, non-spoiler thoughts on It Chapter 2. And uh, Chuckles, start with you. You know, this whole movie was built up to be much scarier than the first one. And uh, anyone who has seen it, which I'm assuming is everyone listening to this, it's not. It's really not. It's, um, wow, how should I describe this? The second movie to me felt like I was watching a Wayne's Brother spoof of the first It Mm. movie. Um, The best way I could describe it is... You're just, uh, you know, that first movie, you got a really delicious uh, five-course meal. Um, You know, a nice Michelin star restaurant. A nice chef made it for you. It was wonderful. And then when you go back to the restaurant, thinking it's going to be just as good, you end up getting served five portions of uh, chicken nuggets from McDonald's. Um, (laughs) It just felt like... There was a lot of fluff, a lot of empty calories. A lot of it went nowhere. It was unneeded. My ass was numb from sitting through that whole movie, man. And I can honestly say it wasn't worth it. Um, I don't like to bag on movies, especially ones where I really loved the first one. I'm a huge horror movie buff. But this particular film just, uh, man, it just wasted a lot of time. And it's really unfortunate because the original source material was you know it was good it was it was wonderful like there was a lot of content from that book it's a massive book and they really just decided to just use a lot of random moments a lot of forced humor uh, a lot of weird flashback scenes that really didn't do anything for these characters it it really bothered me Um, there are some positives I will say the very brief moments that we had Pennywise before the final confrontation, those were actually kind of terrifying. They still had that uh, feeling of dread and just overall uneasiness whenever they showed him hunting down another kid or um, I guess when they showed him in the flashback, some of the flashback scenes when the Losers Club members are still kids. But the moments with Pennywise are far and few between and it's just not enough to save this movie. Uh, Like I said, everything felt... Just really spoofy, um, too comedic. Obviously, I love Bill Hader. I love his humor. He was one of the greatest 
high points of this movie. Unfortunately, um, it just it's just too much comedy, man. I'm sorry. I just it felt like a spoof, and I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'll get into more detail after you're done. But uh, what are your comments? Yeah, no, that's all fair. Um, I'm with you on the ass feeling numb after this movie because it had a three hour runtime, which has to be the longest horror movie I've ever seen. I'm pretty sure. Um, I thought Midsommar was long, but this added another half an hour on it. Um, I found this movie entertaining, but underwhelmingly so. So there were moments I was laughing. There were moments where the visuals actually looked pretty legit and added to the scares. There is one scene in particular in this movie that I do think is a great horror scene um, that was popular in the trailers. Um, And they had moments sprinkled out throughout. But the problem with those moments is that they're compared to the rest of the movie, which is three hours long. So it feels too far and in between when we get horror scares that actually work, Pennywise scenes that actually let that actor, you know, really break out like he did with the first movie. And that was a problem. This movie was probably 90 minutes too long, it felt. Uh, the book is massive, so I do think they were trying to stay close to a lot of the source material, but. Like you mentioned with the flashbacks, there are a lot of moments right there where I felt, oh, if you're going to flashback to these kids and add narratives to their plots now, that should have been done in the first movie to have these setups they're trying to establish actually work and land. So they were trying to shoehorn in way too many moments like that. So the entire middle part of the movie seems pretty forgettable. Right before we started this podcast, I'm like, what actually happened? And it was just a lot of flashbacks that we didn't need. There was way too much... Um, fat on this movie um, again there were a lot of good visuals that I do really like they had some effective scares that were awesome and I I really like Bill Hader in this I liked his use of comedic relief um, I found all his humor mostly worked for the movie um, but the problem is I, the rest of the cast I wasn't really feeling it I didn't really think they utilized a lot of their you know really high profile actors effectively besides maybe Bill Hader um, so it just felt like a performance that didn't have anything to have a foil against. It was just Bill Hader being funny and then the rest of the kids or the adults kind of waning through the kid narratives as adults now. And it just didn't work. So I, I had some fun with it. It might have been the uh, rum punch I had while drinking um, during the movie. But overall, yeah, this was at best a whelmingly made movie. <laughs> Um, which is unfortunate because as horror fans, we figured this would be probably one of the best ones of the year. And uh, neither of us can say that. Um, But let's just uh, dive into spoilers so we can give some uh, thoughts on what we liked and what we didn't like specifically. Um, So I I mentioned my, they had one scene in this movie that I think was a great horror scene. And I think, you know, which one that is. It's the one where the, the woman, I forget her, the character's name, but she, visits back to the hometown and visits her old house and there's an old woman um, living in that apartment now I love that scene um, all the way up until the ending but I really love that scene of she's just you know kind of learning what she forgot again and this old woman is slightly off but not so much off where you're not sure if she's Pennywise or just a weird old lady but then she does some distinctively out of social norm things where like oh this is creepy and then her running around in the dark in the background uh butt ass naked 
it was just like oh okay this is some weird fucked up shit and then the whole her running towards her was like a great jump scare the only thing i didn't like about that was the the transformation part i kind of disliked her as a creepy old lady but i thought that was like the most effective scare in the movie well first of all i just want to say that i run around naked in the dark of my house and, and, and i don't appreciate you saying it's creepy <laughs> anytime i visit you i just i don't appreciate that <laughs> it's true i have bad habits but um you know i will i will play off a few things you just said there uh Honestly, I see this a lot more with horror films uh, than any other genre. But one of the things that added to the disappointment of this film was actually the fact that the only scary parts were the parts that were in the trailer. And I just really dislike when films do that for promotional purposes. I'm trying to like get off of watching trailers in general because it most of the time they give away a lot of key plot points from the movie that just ruin everything. But in this, like, it's particularly true in this case. I just didn't yeah. like, after watching this three-hour movie, that the only scary parts were the, what, what they promoted in the trailer. It's almost like they were trolling us on purpose. It, it, it was like Pennywise made this trailer just to mess with us because it was all, like, those were all the moments, like, the few moments you see in the movie with Pennywise, those are in the trailer. I can't think of another moment where you see him, maybe one, and I think it's in the flashback with, uh, the one kid who's overweight when he's a kid. I can't remember his character name, but uh, it's when Pennywise is hunting him down in the school, that scene, which didn't add anything to the movie. Um, but yeah, other than that, every scene with Pennywise is in that trailer and it just it just takes away from the impact and the scariness of those scenes, which is terrible because this movie is, like you said, three hours long. And since you already know when the scary parts are coming, it just makes the movie feel like it's dragging on and on and on. Um, whoever, you know, I don't know who gets final say when it comes to what gets cut out, what doesn't. I'm pretty sure it's the director. Um, it almost seemed to me like there were certain parts where he wanted to include just things he himself found funny uh, that the audience really didn't understand. Uh, one particular scene is when the one character who's a hypochondriac, um, the one where his mom makes him you know, believe he's sick all the time, uh, he has that flashback where he's in the, oh, I'm sorry, no, it's when he's an adult, he goes into the basement of the pharmacy and he uh, encounters like the leper illusion that Pennywise creates and he's like able to fight it back and fight it off and then all of a sudden... You get like this random three second scene where the creature throws up in his face and this random music starts playing for no reason. There's no context behind it. It takes away from any like scariness that the scene had. Yeah. Uh, and it just makes it seem really spoofy. It felt like a mistake. I feel like that, it felt like an that, editing mistake that they forgot to take out in the final cut because they were like, oh, this song doesn't yeah, work. I agree. And then they left in two seconds. Yeah, it's like it's like the director was like, no, 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 I love that. All right, just leave it in. Who cares? That's that's my jam right there. That's so funny. <laughs> um, it was it was bad, and I feel like that's a good representation of a lot of moments in this film. And to kind of go back to what you were saying about the visuals, I have a completely different opinion from yours. I I even had this gripe with the first film, but they, everything else was so well done. There was a creepy atmosphere that was built that it kind of made up for this in my eyes, but. I thought the CGI looked really cheap. It took away from a lot of the scary parts. I really wish they would have relied more on 
practical effects and combining it with CGI. Um, I know that a lot of people, you know, you hear a lot of people complain about that and you're like, oh God, you know, they want practical effects, but CGI is so much easier. That's true. But I feel like the best movies have a healthy blend of both of those things. And that one creepy lady scene that you were talking about just a few minutes ago, I thought that scene was beautifully done. Um, But the problem is in the trailer, they don't show you the figure of the woman when she's about to attack Beth. But when you see it in the movie, it's much less scarier because it's just like this clearly computer generated giant tall woman with like bug yeah, eyes. It was definitely better in the trailer. It looks scary. It was definitely me. better then. Yeah. And it just a lot every single creature, every time there's like a creature or insects or whatever that weird bat baby thing that appears in the Chinese restaurant uh, when it hatches from the egg. Like all of that just seemed really fake. It took me out of the movie a lot of the times. It just added to the goofiness of everything. It almost felt very cartoonish in certain moments. And I, I just can't, I can't get over it, man. Like that was just one of the big blows to this movie was the super heavy use on CGI and those random moments that just made it seem just really spoofy. Just very, very spoofy. Yeah, that's fair. I think, I think it's a mixed bag. I think I liked the uh, Chinese restaurant scene because I thought that looked fairly creepy. Um, even like that throw up scene was decent until they played that music at least visually I actually didn't like that scene as a whole I didn't think they needed that there's also some weird like abuse kind of thing going on there I didn't really enjoy seeing um but I like like the the set designs I, it you know it looked like this old-timey city like slightly in the future um I think one thing I had I had an issue with more towards the narrative was um Bill Hader's character, um, not really coming out as gay, but he's presented as um, being gay in this movie, which is fine. But the problem is what they do with his character does not match how intense the homophobia was at the very beginning of this movie. It's a straight out hate crime. I think it's right from the book, if I'm not mistaken. But it's a yeah, a, yeah. Hate, a hate crime against two gay people. And if there, and it was really brutal. It was hard to watch. I was surprised they were even you know doing as much as they did. But I felt like if they were going to go that far in showing a hate crime, then as the very beginning of the movie, then the narrative should then probably support something of um, some kind of pride and being, you know, being able to overcome the antiquated thoughts of your town and being openly gay. And I just felt like they kind of hushed that whole narrative by the end of it. They started really strong with hate crime. This is happening in the city. And then at the end, it was just, you know, quietly accepting Bill Hader's character. He was accepting, you know, this this kind of love he lost uh, with the, uh, the hypochondriac kid. So I really didn't like how they did. Like they set it up to have this big reveal of, you know, gay pride blossoming in this community full of bigots and i don't think they really did that so that was one of the big gripes i had about this movie i agree with you and just to jump off of that i understand the book came out in the 80s from what i understand and during that time you had like the hiv scare and you know homophobia was was really rampant um you know not to say that it isn't now but you know it's particularly on the main stream media back in the day um it was i see why stephen king put it in his book 
uh, because he really wanted to establish a believable atmosphere that, you know, contributed to the magical realism of Pennywise and these kids fighting this like weird space monster. Um, but at the same time, I can't really, it's weird for me, man, because I agree with you. They never even explicitly state that Bill Hader's character is homosexual in the film. Like they allude to it several times, but it's never explicitly stated. He never admits it. He never, he never even like confronts it. Like there's no final confrontation where he admits it to his friends or he says it to Pennywise or he, he, you know, it, it doesn't contribute to his character development at all. I think at the end you get him crying a little bit when he reads the letter about the one member of the Losers Club who killed himself because they allude to him having a crush on that character. But they don't use it. Like, it's... it's You would think with a three-hour movie, they would give everybody enough time to be, to be fleshed out as an additional character, like, fleshed out more as a character. But that particular point just goes nowhere. You have a really powerful scene in the beginning. Like you said, that's a hate crime. These two, this uh, homosexual couple are attacked by these town members at a carnival in a very gruesome way. And then, you know they throw one of the the lovers over the bridge that's a little bit outside of the carnival and then Pennywise picks him up and starts eating him uh, which is a powerful scene but that theme is quickly just ignored um, it's not followed up in any way you think it contributes to Bill Hader's character um, and the only thing I could possibly think of that can lead to a connection there is that in that beginning scene the uh, the couple that they're showing uh, one of them says to the other, oh, yeah, I know you're from this town. How was that for you? And I forget the comment the other character makes. But later on in the film, you see Bill Hader's character when he's young at an arcade. And he's interacting with um, this one boy. And they're playing you know, an arcade game together. And they're having a good time. And it looks like he kind of has a crush on him. And he keeps trying to get the boy to stay to play longer with him. But the boy freaks out and gets, you know, gets kind of defensive and then the bully character comes in and is like why are you talking to i think he said my cousin or something like that yeah um you you know leave him alone you you like i don't know if he does he call him a fag but he i don't know if he says some slur um but essentially tells the loser club member to leave and i'm not sure if that same kid he was playing the arcade game with was the same guy from the beginning of the movie because he was from Derry. um but that's really the only connection I could possibly think of for those two scenes. Otherwise, it just seemed really random. And um, yeah, it just it just didn't develop to Bill Hader's character whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that scene with the flashback in the arcade and him having maybe like puppy dog feelings for this boy should have been in the first movie. That should have been part of his character as a first movie. As anytime we saw him by himself, he demonstrated some of those traits. But I felt like they just, they just tried to retcon who we saw him as in the in the first movie in this movie with flashbacks and it just it doesn't give them room to land that arc if they're trying to shoehorn all that in and then have him you know silently allude that yeah he you know he's at least queer and that's okay that's good that's fine um so yeah they they try to shoehorn in a lot of stuff like that and it was just to the movie's fault of not executing it even with three hours, they couldn't make those narratives work. And, you know, in the director's defense, because I always like to give the benefit of the doubt here. Shout out to my uh, one of my close friends, Cam, uh, who Randy and I both know. 
he does make a valid point about the original text of it, even though it's a massive book. When you actually read it, it's um, in his words, and I think this perfectly describes it. It's like a coke induced rant. Uh, <laughs> it's just very all over the place. It seems very random at times, which is why I can see why it was such a hard movie to adapt in the first place. Uh, but still, you would think with three hours, they would take these hard-hitting themes and turn them into something a little more impactful for each one of these characters. And I, that also want, leads me to another thing I had a problem with here. Uh, and that was Bill's character. Uh, it just... It was very repetitive. Uh, not just Bill's character, everyone's character, but I'm going to use Bill as an example here. Uh, Bill's whole struggle in the first film was getting over Georgie's death and accepting that it wasn't his fault and that there's nothing he can do to save his brother, but he can at least try to prevent other kids from disappearing by stopping Pennywise. That was his whole arc in the first film. It was beautifully done. He had a very heartwarming uh, confrontation in the climax of the film with Pennywise when he's disguised as Georgie. Um, So that arc was done. But for some reason in this film, they felt the need to have him go through the same character arc again, and it was all just, just very redundant. And they do that with every character in this movie. Um, and they hide behind it by using the excuse that, oh, well, their memories are gone. And so they have to remember, you know, why they were in the, like, how their lives were in the town and why they fought Pennywise in the first place. But it just felt like a recap of just a three-hour recap of things we've already seen these characters get over, with the exception of Bill Hader's character. His stuff was relatively fresh and new, but they went nowhere with it. Um, so that was another huge issue I had with this film. Uh, just a lot of repetitiveness. Uh, again, more fluff. Uh, these characters made the same mistakes they made in the first film, and they just used the whole amnesia thing as an excuse. Yeah, and... You know, I can see them trying to go for something of like regression, how that can happen when you move back to maybe a traumatizing area, how you can regress into old bad habits. But the problem is when you have that in a movie in the way they did, it did just feel repetitive. It didn't feel like another layer of, oh, regression is, you know, worsening with these characters now that they're back here. It just felt like we were watching uh, like a remake of the first movie, but with adults. So it didn't really, it didn't really feel like a, narrative that was evolving it was just treading the same waters um so yeah it definitely fell prey to that i mean even how they like jumping to the end how they resolved defeating it it's like oh you're gonna do the same thing you did before okay sure that's climatic you know and that was another huge issue i had because the book does i it's been a long time since i've read the book so forgive me if i'm a little inaccurate here Whoever's, you know, our our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong on this. But from what I remember, the ritual of Chud uh, was more of a battle of wills uh, between whatever Pennywise was in the Deadlights and the the Loser Club members. Uh, But in this film, it just seemed like a random ritual that they quickly try to do uh, by chanting and holding hands and then it fails. And then they, you know, they fall back to what they did the first time. Uh, but I think in the book it was more fleshed out. Uh, it was a little bit more detailed in explanation, and it played a bigger role in that final conflict, uh, which in this particular film it just didn't do. Uh, so that was another that was another thing I didn't like. I'm also going to talk about something that um, kind of lingered in the first film as well, 
And this just happens with any adaptation uh, because, you know, it is a very large book. And like I said, it's, you know, very random at times. So it's it's very hard to do a absolutely true adaptation of it. But a lot of fans were wondering, where's Gan or, or Gan, however you pr- pronounce it. But in the book, Gan is like this mystic turtle um, that just um, he he is Pennywise arch rival. He they're, they're both like these celestial type of uh, type of beings, you know, much like the celestials or the I think the celestials in like the Marvel universe. They're like gods. And in the book, Gan actually interacts with the Losers Club members and Pennywise references Gan several times in the book as well. Um, and, you know, he aids the Losers Club members in overcoming Pennywise. And in this book or in this movie, you see them show a turtle a few times throughout both films, um, which is a cool little subtle way of saying, hey, you know, Gan is present, um, but we're not going to explicitly mention him or reference him at all. You can just like if you read the book, you'll just get that reference and be like, okay, maybe he was this mystical background force that was giving the Loser Club members strength the whole time. Um but it is a valid gripe that people had with the books and people were expecting, as you know, at least some, I had a few friends who were uh, expecting them to go into a little more lore-ish detail of Gan and Pennywise because they wanted some answers. And while we did get some brief explanations of what Pennywise was in, the, in this second film, uh, there was absolutely no mention of Gan. And I know that that could rub people off the wrong way. Me personally... And I'm going to leave the mic over, you know, hand the mic over to you, uh, Randy, after this. But to me, it would have been a little hard to include Gan in the film. I think that's actually one of the things they did well. Um, I like the subtle jabs that they did with the film of showing turtles here and there. Uh, Because to me, that concept is very out there. It's very otherworldly. And this movie already seems silly enough. I think if they would have, you know, introduced a space celestial turtle being um to the lore it just would have seemed really far-fetched and cartoonish uh but what 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 do you think i mean that's fair so background i've never actually read the book i've read summaries of what the book is um so i know some of the different plot points had so i never read the book and then again like you were just describing it it that's all new and me new to me and it sounded very silly (laughs) have not read the book so you know, with that little of information, I'm glad they didn't put that in there because they couldn't really give service to the characters they had, let alone give service to a interstellar turtle. Um, that probably wouldn't rub off pretty um, smoothly with this uh, three-hour Excuse movie. me, sir. That's interstellar god turtle. He's a god turtle. Okay. Put some respect on his name. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it would, I think it'd be hard to yeah have a higher being turtle fit into this movie. So I'm glad they didn't do that at least. But there were a lot of different things like what they chose to include in the movie from the books and what they didn't. Uh, I just like when we found out what the ritual was, um, and they had flashbacks to um, rituals with these Native American groups. Um, I think that's from the book, and I didn't like that scene because that just felt like. A very antiquated scene to put in. Hey, you know, the only Native American people are in this book. Well, they're just a part of this, you know, out 
outlandish ritual to defeat this alien character. Um, that's their only quick two-minute service. So I feel there was a lot of things like that, including the hate crime, which I don't think they really justified having there in a movie that seems like they would do that. Um, there's just a lot of antiquated notes taken from that original source material of over like what, 40 years or so almost that they could have left out or updated, vastly updated to something, you know, less racist with the Native Americans, you know, less, um, I guess, undeserving of being in there like that hate crime, unless you're going to justify it in the movie. And, you know, at, at least they didn't include God Turtle in that weird kid orgy from the first part of the movie. So, you know, kudos for that, at least for the adaptation um, stuff. Well, I'm glad you brought up Kid Orgy, Randy, because um, that was a big gripe. Not gripe, but like people were, were kind of just tense about whether they would include it in that first film. Because Stephen King's got some just weird moments in his books. I mean, and, he's pretty fucked up. Um, and that's definitely that's that's definitely one of them. Um, in the book, they have this weird like child orgy moment with uh, Beth, which is supposed to like represent strengthening the strengthening of their bonds and friendship. Which is very fucked up. Uh, but no, Stephen King. No, there's there's just no there's no need for that <laughs> in any book. Uh, I don't see where you were going with that one, but uh, it is a it is a impactful moment in this actual story in the book it uh, i'm glad they didn't include it obviously uh but yeah though that's just in a prime example of some of the things they did really well with that ad- ad- adapting from the original source material to other moments where they did a really poor job of it um, and you're going to run into that with you know a movie that has to be or a book that has to be broken up into two films everything's not going to be perfect fans aren't going to be completely satisfied but um, there was a lot more misses than hits in the sequel film, yeah, which is unfortunate. It is, um, it is. So, yeah, and I, the way I see it is the first film, the ending is perfect. If you want to just consider that the only it film, it still works very well. It's still a fantastic film. Um, the way I see this one is that you know this is the Marlon Wayne's or the Wayne's brothers spoof <laughs> that came out two years later. Um, and it just makes fun of itself. And if you look at it in that light, it's actually a pretty funny movie. Um, and that's going to lead me into like that final climax battle. Can I just tell you, oh my goodness. You already mentioned it before. It bugged me that their solution to beating Pennywise after going through three or about two and a half hours of figuring out what they needed for the ritual of Chud to work and then immediately fail and then fall back on, oh yeah, we're just going to not be afraid of him. We're just going to flip the switch just like that and not be afraid of him um, to, you know, for that being the solution that really bummed me out. But what really bummed me out, and this is something they did in the TV adaptation as well. Pennywise turns into this weird spider creature. And I know in the book they describe the deadlights as like a it's like spider looking creature. But this looked really goofy. It felt like I was watching Looney Tunes or something because he just turns into this giant crab thing, Bill Skarsgård just the way his portrayal of Pennywise was, it was not threatening at all. It just looked like this giant space baby thing that was hunting down the losers. Yeah, my, my friend who I went him, with, she described it as that toy Sid had with the baby doll on it and the spider legs. It looked like oh, that. Yeah. And I was like, damn it, you're right, Megan. It looks <laughs> yeah. exactly like that. Cannot be unseen. Oh, that's so true. Uh, but yeah, like when they beat him, he turns into this weird little baby thing and he turns really flat 
And when they mix it with the CGI, it just looks so ridiculous. He turns into this like flat little nugget pancake thing. And then he just withers away into this rock after the kids, after the Losers Club members rip out his heart and crush it. And I'm just like, okay, that was not scary at all. And also, why didn't this work the first time? They did the exact same thing to beat Pennywise. Did they just, you know, not beat his ass hard enough in the first film? They so that was going to be my question for one? you was what stops Pennywise from showing up 27 years later again? I feel like maybe I missed something at the end of the first movie. Like they didn't do one thing then that they did now. Like I, won't he just be back when they're like in their 60s? I mean, that's that's your guess is as like, good as mine, man. I know in yeah. is I the power of, the of friendship stronger? Steve, it kind of felt like an anime towards the end, the power of friendship overcoming. <laughs> um, but when I, one of the cool things that Stephen King has done with his universe or with his books is that he's built them into a universe. All these books that have references to one another, especially the Dark Tower series, uh, I believe they mention a creature that's similar to Pennywise in description. Um, as like a race of, uh, it's it's strange. But he has built this giant universe in which all his books, I believe, uh, they somehow reside within one another. And I always thought that was cool. So I know there was one book, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but they do make like a little Easter egg reference to Pennywise. And it involves this character that has to travel through time. Um to different eras and one of the eras he bumps into is the era that the book it takes place in and on one of the walls in that book it reads Pennywise is still alive or it is still alive Um, so we don't know if that's just an easter egg Stephen King included in the book for fans and it means nothing or does that mean that Pennywise can't be stopped permanently you can just kind of put him back to sleep and then he'll just keep waking up for someone else to kind of confront or not. Um, so it's strange. It's not really explained well in the film. It's actually not explained at all why this one was any different than the first one. Yeah, they ripped out his heart in this one, but what what does that even mean? Um, he's like, he's not even really, he's not even, he doesn't have a physical form. He's just the deadlights. So whatever they ripped out of his body, is that even, is that even matter? Because he's just kind of this intangible creature. So, yeah, I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine, man. But I was not a fan of a giant space crab creature at the end. <laughs> yeah, though, that was definitely Personally, among the worst do. of the visuals that, that did exist in the movie. Um, I think my favorite, one of my favorite parts, I don't think his narrative justified the performance the way the script told him to do it. But I do like Bill Hader breaking down at the end at uh eddie just being gone um dying in the in the cave place and them even consoling bill Hader's character like in the lake um bill Hader like put in work as he usually does so you know bravo bravo to his performance in general um but that was really the only that was really the only character who had something to do and the something he had to do wasn't justified in the script so there's definitely a lot of script issues and I mean, yeah, I feel like maybe they ran out of the money towards the end for the visuals for the big climatic scene of kids, kids, but actually adults versus alien spider God thing. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Bill yeah, Hader. Bill had, that's it, really. That's the saving grace of this movie. Yeah, he had all the good moments. Like, like you said, his comedic timing was perfect. My favorite scene with Bill Hader is when he um, he's in the cave for the final confrontation. He's just hitting Pennywise with rocks. He's just like insulting the shit out of him. Yeah. He's just like. How could anyone be afraid of you? Blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden he gets cut off mid-sentence by the deadlights and he turns into this like floating zombie thing. And it's just like this. It's just that kind of comedic timing that just makes this film really good if you wanted to see a comedy. Um, yeah. And th- those are the parts yeah, that Bill were entertaining just, to me. Just, like when I say like, yeah, this movie was entertaining. That's because any scene Bill Hader was in was like a delight. Um, and then some of the scares exactly. worked. But overall, yeah, that's the script was a mess. And. I, they had they did not know what to do with the actual lore that was set up in the books because that is that that's hard to transfer i feel that's a hard adaptation and they they could not nail it in this iteration in the tv movie it's just they don't it's maybe in another 30 years they'll try again but it just seems really too hard to adapt it's really funny too because i know in i, I forget which talk show host it was maybe it was jimmy kimmel um but bill Hader was talking about how it was weird for him in the film to just be standing next to a clown and having to pretend to be scared uh, because every time he saw Pennywise, he would just kind of like when he when he gets scared, he just starts laughing. <laughs> and I feel like that's such an apt description for this whole movie. Like we were supposed to be scared at certain points and we just we just laughed. So I totally felt what Bill Hader felt when filming this thing i mean even uh, I'd say the only other ca- even his character was like making fun of him like he was like hey remember when pennywise would dance like this and he would like do the weird pennywise arm dangle dance i'm like oh that's, that's a pretty good uh pretty good parody of him oh yeah <laughs> and just the only other casting i enjoyed from the film was the hypochondria character um just his adult version oh yeah it, it legitimately looked like his real adult yeah version, like that was it eddie him. Was it Eddie or Eddie? No, it wasn't Eddie. Was it Eddie? Yeah, Eddie. Yeah, you're right. It was Eddie. Um, that actor just did such a good job of making you believe that that was actually him when he was a kid. It's true. Yeah, both Bill Hader he, and that uh, actor, he, they did a good job at representing the adult version of those kids. Everyone else, like maybe, maybe the that lead actress, but even then, I'm not really sure. Like she was fine, but they didn't really give her much to do. Um, but yeah, Bill Hader and the Eddie character, really the only good adaptations from kid to adult for me too. I agree. And just really the last thing I wanted to touch upon before wrapping this up, um, is the whole ending with the letter of the one loser club member who kills himself at the beginning of the film. It was so strange because it kind of just made it look like it was, it was weird. It, It made it look like suicide was glorified. Like it was some like altruistic deed that was for the greater good though just the way the letter was phrased at the end was kind of weird too where he was just like well i knew i wouldn't be able to stop being afraid from pennywise so i did what i did the only strategic move and i took myself out of the equation i was like dude that's such a weird mixed message to have you you're literally saying oh um i did this for you guys i killed myself you're welcome this is such a weird message to include. Oh yeah, for sure. In a film, um, it would have just been better if they just just you know took the route of the man was afraid. He had from uh, PTSD from almost getting eaten by a clown when he was a kid, and he couldn't take it again. He killed himself. I agree. That would have been way more impactful versus that random ending note that everyone has to read. 
it, it was just I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? That that was just kind of just really out of left field, and it. Yeah, I didn't weird. like how that was set up at all. Um, I, I agree. I think it should have been set up where he was, you know, he he succumbed being one of the victims instead of saying that that was the most heroic thing he could have done was to take his own life as to not maybe impede on whatever they were going to do to solve the the issue. Uh, I think what it would just would have been better as, yeah, he was, he, he was, a uh, you know, succumbed to that PTSD. He, he just couldn't handle it. Maybe he was dealing with this for a while and this was the catalyst that unfortunately happened. You know, that's a tragic thing for the letter to be served as, but yeah, I don't like how they ordered it either. Because I didn't feel like, oh, all right, well, he tried to justify suicide in a heroic light, or the writers did. And, um, yeah, it, I don't think it deserved that. That letter did not deserve it to be worded that way either. It's definitely a weird ending. Um, yeah, the only thing I like at the ending was the, the Bill Hader performance and everyone coming together to console the one guy who always hid behind his uh, banter and liners. Um and, you know, even in that moment, yeah, he still had scene. one of those, you know, liner moments, but it was it worked really well. That was the only part about the ending that had at least four different endings um, that worked. It was very midsummery, too, because I feel like they were just sharing his pain. They were by being there and hugging they him. Were. Uh, so it was a, it was a very beautiful scene, um, which, like you said, was one of the very few moments where I really cared about these characters as adults. And again, it went to Bill Hader. Um but yeah, other than that, I don't remember the rest of that ending. Is it just them kind of walking off into the distance? Yeah, uh, like that one guy finally went to Florida, whatever he wanted to do. Um, that one character's love interest, like she finally acknowledged it was like him who wrote the poem and all that kind of stuff. Um, oh my God, sorry to interrupt you, but can I just go on a quick rant about sure. that? That was another prime example of why character development was so poor in this film. That character as an adult did absolutely nothing. His entire role in that whole film was to just fawn over Beth again. He, that's all he did in every scene. He just fawned over Beth and was super mopey because she didn't recognize his love letter that it was him. And then that was it. Um, And then that bully character too. I know we're not, you know, we've already like talked a little bit about just the wasted opportunities. That bully character from the first film came back in this one. Super pointless. They killed him off very quickly. He didn't really accomplish anything. Just more wasted opportunities. Honestly, forgot about him until you just brought him up. Totally forgot he had any point in the movie. And I guess he kind of didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're right, though. Like, a lot of these characters, they didn't have much to do. I didn't like what they did with Beth's character. Um, I, like, I can appreciate the regression of she grew up to be with someone who was kind of like her father, unfortunately, like her father. And she finally finding someone not like him. But I felt like all they gave her to do was, oh, yeah, that, that kid back then, he, he was, you know, we, we had a kind of a thing. He wrote me a poem and yeah, maybe I can get with him. Wait, no, it was actually this kid all along. That felt like the majority of what they gave her to do. And that's unfortunate. I feel like she would have developed some new interesting things by now that we could have followed on her journey. But a, a lot of the characters were like that besides Bill Hader and um, I'm not sure about Eddie, but still like it's yeah not a good job at fleshing out characters even with a three-hour limit but that's the issue when you're adapting a book like this that has insane lores and a multitude of characters you have to get through um so it definitely presents a problem that they did not execute well at the very least they casted bill Hader, 
who despite apparently not even like did he even read the book i feel i feel like he just did his own thing no idea yeah yeah no, but no idea i mean that that was the best part so unfortunately might be another uh 27 years until we get a new adaptation of the it series it's strange too because we started getting a slew, like just a slew of Stephen King adaptations recently, and I was really hoping a lot of them would be a lot better because I did like the idea of all of the universes connecting into one another, uh, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case anytime soon. Uh, but at least we got a pretty decent film in the first it, uh, the first it movie, so chapter one, um, and I'm hoping that Doctor Sleep is also very good because I love The Shining, you know uh, Kubrick. It's a classic. I know Stephen King didn't like the way he adapted the book in the original, even though it became such a hit. Uh, But I am excited for Dr. Sleep. But other than It Chapter 1, I wasn't very happy with the Pet Cemetery remake. Uh, I didn't really like um, the Dark Tower movie that they did. Uh, I like Gerald's Game. I saw that one on Netflix. Oh, right. They had the Netflix ones, too. That, That was decent. Um but yeah, there was there's a lot of hit and miss with Stephen King. One thing I would love to see in the future done right is a Children of the Corn adaptation, because that's just a really creepy freaking concept for a movie or even a show. Um, I know it's originally a short story, so there's not a lot of good like there's not a lot of source material to work off of. But just the overall premise could be done properly. Uh, I feel yeah. nowadays with just the way uh, film has evolved. Uh, so yeah, I uh, I'm actually shocked they haven't like to done see that. that yet. A, a remake, definitely do for a remake. Yeah, I agree. We, hey, we might even see it. Yeah, we might even see a Children of the Corn remake. But <laughs> within three years, we'll at least hear the announcement. Yeah, uh, I guarantee. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I just want to I just want to conclude this. Uh, you said your favorite scene in it was the old lady scene with Beth. Yep, it's that one, and to have an, a second one is the Bill Hader Lake scene at the end. For me, I think my favorite scene has to be the one where he's with the little girl under the bench steps. Oh, yeah. Because that's the only scene for me that felt terrifying. Um, I know it was in the trailer slightly, but that that had the same energy that the first film had in terms of horror and creepiness, which is what I wanted to see in this film. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the lighting was really cool in those scenes. And I mean, honestly, I, I really like that scene. My only problem is that it's the Georgie scene, but under bleachers. Um, but that that was you know a, a greatly shot scene for sure. I agree. Yeah, that's that's it's it's definitely the Georgie scene two point uh, But yeah, that I think just like you said, the overall atmosphere, the lighting, it was all really well done. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get more moments like that. But that's pretty much the whole summary of this film from start to finish. Was we wish we would have gotten more of those kinds of scenes, but instead we got more of you know pancake baby on rock. Uh, random songs playing during vomiting scenes and just overall goofiness. Um, but that's all I wanted to say about this movie, man. If I had to rate it, unfortunately, I'd give it like, and this is generous for me, a five out of ten. Uh, I'd okay. give the first one like a solid seven out of ten, seven and a half out of ten. But this one was, uh, yeah, it's not good for me. Uh, what about you? Yeah, that's very fair. I think I, I think I'd give it a six because I, I give I weight Bill Hader's role in it. Um. I guess more heavily than anything else, but there's so much in this movie that's not good that that five out of 10 is pretty just, I think that's fair enough. Um, But yeah, I think that might wrap it up for us overall. 
whelmingly to underwhelmingly, but that's okay because we have more horror movies to talk about this month. So I'm excited about that. Tis the season. Tis the season of spooky shit. And I'm about we're about that life. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of After the Act. Feel free to contact contact us at after the act podcast at gmo.com. We have a brand new website, malampictures.com, where you can find more of our work there. Also on SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you would normally listen to your podcasts. And tune in next time where we'll talk about another spooky ass movie. Take care, everyone. I just have one question for you before we finish here, Randy. What is that? Do you want a balloon? No, thank you. All right. Bye. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) 